0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
0: My guest is John Shearer, who had a near-death experience after a truck accident, and today we're going to learn about it. John, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome.
1: You're very welcome as well, Jeff. We're in this together, aren't we? Trying to make a difference in this crazy world.
0: You are right. John, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that your accident happened and go from there?
1: Yeah, the day was actually my father's 65th birthday. Some days you you just never forget because they change your life. I was driving a truck, going to get a, a load of super phosphate, actually, down in Melbourne, Australia. And out of the fog, it was very foggy, come the back of another truck. And all I had time to do was try and steer to avoid it. But I didn't avoid it. And bang, total blackness. And I don't really know where I went. I know I went somewhere because I recall coming back. And coming back was... I still don't have words to really explain just how peaceful it was. It's like the ultimate peace I felt. And it was very, very slow as well. It was almost like I was coming from another galaxy. And yeah, I don't know where I was. There's all sorts of theories around, you know, like near-death experiences and and i believe everyone's experience is probably unique and, and i know everything changed after that's for sure yeah it was a horrific crash my dog was killed the bonnet of the truck actually rolled up because i saw photos of, of the wreck after but, and honestly if you saw those photos you wouldn't give me a chance of being alive it's quite amazing that i was even alive Yeah, the bonnet of the truck rolled up the bonnet, steel bonnet. It came through the windscreen and and killed my dog. And somehow I was thrown out, obviously thrown out. And uh, yeah, it was some sort of miracle. I I was pretty smashed up. I needed operations and things. But my physical injuries were nothing compared to the 15 years that following that I was stuck in the mental health system because later that year I I had my first what was diagnosed as psychosis my first experience and you know then for 15 years I was on a smallest board of medications I was in and out of I used to call them psych wards, but you're not allowed to call them that anymore, mental health units. And uh, I was suicidal at one stage because I I didn't understand what was happening with me. And in 1997, 15 years later, an old friend of mine was passing through town and he had, and I'll quote, he, he said he had a spiritual prompt. To come and knock on my door and share his story. And his story, well, it changed my life. That's another date, or oh, a special date for me was the date that he knocked on my door, which was to become World Mental Health Day, 10th of October, 10, 10, 1997. So this year will be 25 years. And it's been... You know, Some journey, I can tell you, from the time of, of my NDE, my near-death experience, and everything changed, and then 15 years, years that I'm thankful for now, because it was those dark years, as I like to refer to them as, that has made me who I am today, or helped make me who I am today. You know, I I felt driven, even from the time of my accident, you know, and the only thing that kept me alive when I was very suicidal in 1987 uh, was that tiny little voice that we all have, you know, somewhere in the the, the back of your, your mind there somewhere. Who knows where that is, but, you know, there's a reason you'll get through this kept saying to me there's a reason you'll get through this and I didn't understand what the reason was and I couldn't see any way that I was gonna get through it yeah anyhow I did and these days of course I help other people understand their experiences because often people who are diagnosed especially with Hearing voices, schizophrenia, bipolar, and uh, you know, or, or any sort of psychosis, like me, they don't understand what's happening, and, and once they can understand the spiritual aspects to their experience, they get their lives back, like I did. It's uh, too often they're, they're stuck in in the medical model the model of diagnosis and medication. And uh, honestly, Jeff, it's a, it's a bandaid at best. Yeah. So that's gives you a bit of an idea of of my journey. It's, it's been quite amazing, really. I know. I had probably two epiphanies, two main epiphanies and just for anyone who doesn't understand what an epiphany is, it's something that drops into your mind in a powerful way. And you just know it's the truth. You know, it's real. That, that's an epiphany and oh, it seems real. And I had a dark epiphany, I call it, in 1987, which did almost, I planned my suicide. I didn't follow through with it, luckily, because, because of that little voice. It sort of saved me, but uh, it said it came in, it came to my mind and there's a bit of a story around it. I guess I can share the story. Uh, I don't share this story very often, but uh, I woke at four o'clock in the morning in, in the town where I was living at the time called Wagga Wagga, a place of many crows here in Australia. And I, I awoken scared. Almost like I was coming out of a nightmare, but I don't remember any nightmare. But I woke up scared, so I went out into the backyard, had a pee on, on on my lemon tree. I still have one today, mm. and and then looked up into the into the stars, which I often did actually. There was nothing real strange about that, and. Uh, but then, then this fear came over me. So I went around the front of my house and then I started walking and I really felt like there was a presence, some sort of presence. And I was scared. And this was in, in May and May in Wagga Wagga is quite cold and I was only in shorts and singlet and barefoot. And I started walking and I walked probably for about five kilometres, I guess, I walked and in a state of fear, really, was the only way I could explain it, but I ended up on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River and it was a bit of a, a almost a sacred place, if you like, a special place I used to visit sometimes and and I was standing there and looking out over the river and then this voice came into my mind and it said kill yourself or your youngest will die just like that and it was so real to me and of course later that day I ended up in a mental health unit and and once again you know they told me I, I was imagining it it was psychosis wasn't real but I planned my suicide and yeah it's there's more of that story which I probably won't share but that is to say it was, it was a dark time very dark
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and now I'll, I'll forward to early 1998 which some months after you know my, my awakening spiritual awakening I had another epiphany and I was I was reading and and then a voice came into my mind in a, a powerful way, an epiphany, help the mentally ill. It was so powerful. And at that time, you know, I remember I threw my arms up in the air and I and I said, but I'm one of them because that just seemed so ridiculous to me at the time. Totally ridiculous. How was I going to help anyone? You know, I was well and truly trapped. Well, although I, I just had come out of the mental health system really after being trapped in it for 15 years. And, but that became my, my thing, my purpose, if you like. And so, Every morning from the time of my spiritual awakening, you know, these days I say every morning, usually at dawn, I become mindful, which is being fully present in the moment. And and I ask the question, what are we doing today, soul? S-O-L. It's an ancient Roman word for the sun because I see the sun as my source energy. It, that's me it makes sense to me because well when you think about it the sun is source energy for the whole planet as well so I'm happy with that what are we doing today soul? every morning for well it will be 25 years this year and then I listen I listen not with my ears my ears usually are hearing birds parrots we have a lot of bird life around where I live yeah I listen deeply. And then it's almost like my daily instruction, if you like, drops into my my mind. And, you know, even if we have 500 things to do, and, and they say to be successful, you need 500 things to do. But what do you do first? And we can only do one thing at a time. So it'll drop in my mind. It could be do nothing today, have a rest or it could be write a book, start an organisation. There's some, some major sort of things that I've done. But it's been a, an amazing journey. And in 1997, at the time of my awakening, or at the time of my epiphany early in 1998, um, when I was just coming out of the mental health system, and I'm, I'm just a pensioned-off truck driver, really, at that time. And I could never have envisaged that, that I'd be uh, writing two books and I'm working on a third and started an organisation and have over a million followers on, on social media. It's just... But it's not me. It's, you know, the, the universe. It's my daily instruction. I, I follow and, and, and that's always my message, if you like, you know, trust that, that inner voice, you know, form a relationship with your source energy, uh, whatever you call it. doesn't really matter what you call it, but form a relationship with it and trust it and and follow your in, intuition.
0: John, thank you for sharing your experience with us. If we go back to your NDE so you, you had the impact with your with the truck and then everything went black. What did you see when you first came conscious? Were you in a black environment? Some people call it the black void or were you out in space kind of like here?
1: I would say a black void for sure. Black. And then I very, very, very slowly re- returned. And I say slowly because it, it it was, well, it seemed to take forever. Mm -hmm. And and I was in a peaceful state. And then I I slowly started to regain consciousness and start to to get my awareness back, if you like. And, you know, there was distant sound first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yeah, there was... uh, It was quite an experience. And of course I was in a hospital by that time and the hospital was called Kilmore, Kilmore hospital. Mm. That was the name of the town near near where I had
0: my accident. Kilmore, terrible name. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe killed me. When you were coming back and you said like you were leaving another galaxy were you moving through blackness as well or were you moving through a tunnel or were you moving through space and seeing stars?
1: I would definitely say I didn't see any any stars, but certainly through through space is was, was the only way I could explain it. There's been nothing on this earth like it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to describe because it's just a, a void.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And nothing. And we can we can go to that place. I can, uh, you know, with meditation. And these days, I help people by taking taking them to a hypnotic state via guided meditation or hypnosis. And, and uh, it's it's, it's, it's a, we all have that capability of 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 crossing over. Mm-hmm. Of connecting with that nothingness where everything is. It's quite amazing. And it's only really by by regularly connecting with that, that that nothingness through mindfulness, through a mindful practice, that because when we do that, what we're actually doing is is switching on our creativity and we're turning on our intuition. And it, it can become quite powerful. And I believe all the creative and, and people all around the globe ha- have this this connection with that, that void, that nothingness, like I said, where everything is.
0: It, it's quite amazing. When you were in the void, did you realize that you were dead? And you were wondering, where am I?
1: No, because there was no thought.
0: There's
1: there's no thought when you're in that in that state at all.
0: Are you just observing everything at that point?
1: Yeah, you you're aware and not really even observing, because I, I guess you, you're in some sort of spirit form, and you, you, you're unable to use your senses. You know our five senses especially mm-hmm. and certainly our sixth sense as well we wasn't there but I was aware of it but prior to that there was nothing nothing at all and uh, and then I became aware and then I gradually returned to a conscious state and and that's the way to live of course is mm-hmm. consciously yeah yeah, and a lot of times, of course, we live on autopilot and unconsciously, we're just going through the motions. But once we can start actually connecting with that, whatever it is, certainly a power, and and living consciously, doing things on purpose and with purpose, then then you have a reason to wake up in the morning and life is wonderful compared to when I was living in the dark, I call it, if all through those 15 years, really, because I, I didn't know what what was happening to me. I didn't understand my experiences. Oh, that's why I say I was living in the dark, because I was really blind to the truth. Mm-hmm. And then when we awaken, well, then then we can see the truth and uh, in a lot of things. And the good news is, Jeff, of course, the world is waking up. We don't hear about it on, on via the news or corporate media, but it's happening. There's so many beautiful people in this world, and, you know, we've all had trauma. I don't think anybody's exempt from that. And then it's what we do with that that really makes a difference. There's so many people out there that are trapped by the mental health system, diagnosed with PTSD and all sorts of things, and uh, and, and medicated. And but there's there's another way. There honestly is. But it, it takes work. It takes practice, certainly. And that's what I devote my life to these days, is helping people, teaching people how to connect how to form a relationship with, with that, that spiritual power. Describe it however you like, you know, or whoever you like. Connect with Jesus or, or the Buddha or, or whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter you know, what, what form your relationship takes or who you connect with or who, you know, whatever. It's all all the same. There is only one. And that's why I love the idea of the sun. And people have, right throughout history, have worshiped and and connected with the sun, whether it was Ra, the Egyptian sun god, or it doesn't matter what really, what culture you look at as well. They worship the sun and the moon, the stars, Uh, because we're connected, we're all one one with the universe one one with everything
0: has the memory of that experience faded over time or is it still I know
1: that'll that'll be with me to the day I die that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, not not something you, you ever forget uh, mm-hmm. just like you know they're they're probably the two most significant dates in my life Probably my birth is another one, of course, Mm. when my journey began. And then yeah, 9th of June, 1982, my father's 65th birthday. I'm 70 next month myself. Mm. Uh, Yeah, it was 25 years ago. And then World Mental Health Day, 10th of October, 1997, when my friend knocked on my door. And shared his story with me. Mm. And that led to my spiritual awakening. And he has no idea. I haven't been able to find him ever since. He kept going. He was only passing through town. I'm glad I was still living in the same house. Because I hadn't seen him for nearly 20 years since mm. well before my accident. Right. And it's like he disappeared. I'm not even sure he's alive. Because I checked social media and phone books trying to find him. You know, from time to time. I haven't done it for a while. Maybe it'll show up again one day. But that's why I'm a huge fan of of the ripple effect. I often say it is always my hope that the people who are touched by my ripple then create a ripple of their own. That way, we can change the world, Jeff. We can. One person at a time.
0: That's true. And I think
1: it's the only way the world will change as well because governments and religions haven't been able to do it and won't be able to do it but we can I really do believe that Jeff we can one person at a time that's why I love what you're doing thank you and uh, and all the other probably million people around the globe who who are making a difference in this crazy world
0: once you came back do you think your mental health struggles were due to you trying to process what had happened on the other side?
1: That was a big part of it, for sure. Because I had no understanding of spirituality, you know, nothing really, and I didn't understand my experience. and And I was having almost visions, if you like. Mm-hmm. I, I was seeing things, uh, hearing things, and my wife didn't understand. Right. And no one did, and no one can, Mm -hmm. except except yourself, really. And and even to find people to talk with, you can't have these sorts of conversations just with anyone, because straight away they're just going to think that you're you're a mental case, you know, anyhow. Mm -hmm. And because because I think if you haven't experienced these these sorts of things, then how, how can you understand? Well, of course you can't, and I couldn't.
0: Can you share with us what your friend told you? Not the entire story, but what he told you, if there's a specific part that seemed to clear up and help you make sense of your own NDE? No,
1: not, not specifically, I guess his story was he left Wagga Wagga where we were we were good friends and played a lot of snooker together and uh, he went to Sydney and just briefly his story he went to Sydney to be a professional punter and he he focused on trots the trot scene and he went along and he visited owners and trainers of trotting horses and got got really right into the scene and was very successful. And he built a big house and started a family and he was very successful with his gambling and, and everything else. But then gambling got him in the end and he went down and then he turned to drugs and, and really lost everything. He lost lost his house, he lost his family his relationship failed. He hit rock bottom, and then he found his way back with his spiritual awakening, if you like. And then he joined what turned out to be a bit of a cult in the Christian faith. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of his story. And he suggested to me because he he was visiting. A mutual friend as it turned out but uh, he suggested I go across town on Sunday it was a Friday when he knocked on my door and there's a bit of a story around that as well because uh, I'll share that story because I think we've got a little bit of time but on Monday that week I was in Sydney which is the biggest city in Australia and I was catching a train back to Wagga Wagga and I had an experience Another experience, if you like. And I, I was waiting for the train and I decided to walk down the platform. So I was walking down the platform and that's all good. And I was catching eyes with with blokes, with men, and, uh, you know, give a little nod, a little acknowledgement, whatever, no big deal. And I got down to the bottom of the platform and then I thought I'd walk back up the other side. So I was walking up the other side. And then I became aware that I was catching eyes and and whatever with all the females, all the women. And by the time I got back up to the to the top of the platform, oh, I just shook my head, and uh, that was so, such an amazing experience for that to happen. All the men going down and all the women coming back, and that's more than just coincidence this you know there's something but I I said to myself no said if this is you God you come to me this time I'm not chasing after this I'm not giving this any 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 time in my mind no as far as I'm concerned this didn't happen so I just I just dropped it I didn't even go there and and then on the Friday that's when my friend knocked on my door and and of course Was that God knocking? You know? So, yeah. Anyhow, he suggested I go to this house on the other side of town on Sunday. And when I got there, there was a visiting elder, he called himself, from Albury, which is about 140 kilometres away. And he had a couple of musicians with him. And they were trying to start a little home church. So, Uh, When I got there, it was Steve, a fellow taxi driver, because I was driving cabs on and off. Uh, And uh, so they were having, trying to get a bit of a home church started. So there was a few people there. Anyhow, they sang some worship-type songs and and prayer and what have you. And then after this visiting elder, he said, Hey, John, do you want to be baptised? I said, yeah, sure, I'm on the road to nowhere. And uh, so it turned out he he carried a portable baptismal tank in the boot of his car. Mm. So they brought it in and set it up in the backyard and I'm glad it was October because it's warm. And I stripped down on my shorts and the tank was actually big enough, I'm I'm six foot two, Mm. I'm a big, big fella, to fully immerse me. So I was. I was baptised into the Christ, Christian faith, and then from that time, uh, four, I had a four-year journey, I guess, and I studied the Bible intensively, and got right into the Christian faith. And uh, yeah, it was while I was reading. It. It's a difficult book to study, and. That's what I was doing when I had my epiphany early the next year. I was reading the Bible at dawn. I did it every day. took me a long time to get through it, but I did it. And I now call that my apprenticeship into spirituality because then God or the universe, soul, whatever, showed me the big picture, and that is that, that it's way bigger than any religion. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think anyone really understands just what that that invisible force is. But I know I have great faith in, in that because that's what faith is, faith in things unseen. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's kind of what came out of my friend knocking on my door and why probably I started an organisation, what nearly – seven years ago, I guess, called mindfullymad.org. It's a place where you can find a mindfulness mentor like me. And it's 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 gone a little bit global now. There's a lot of countries listed there where you can find a, a mentor. And uh, it's also a place where you can tell your story. And I'm a huge, huge fan of sharing our stories mm. because I really believe that's the very thing. Our best chance of overcoming stigma around mental health, especially. And uh, yeah, but that's that's just how it is. Yeah. So keep sharing our stories and doing podcasts and mm-hmm. listening to people's stories, putting it out there because you never know who can relate to our story. And then maybe get get on their true path if you like, because yeah. I really believe that everyone can can get on a true path because there's so many distractions in the world, things to put us off track. So but the way to stay true to ourselves is, of course, connecting with, with our inner whatever it is. You know, connecting with that nothingness where everything is. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's been quite a journey, Jeff.
0: It's quite common for me to hear guests that after their NDE, they have the ability to either hear spirits on the other side or spirits here on the earth, possibly hear maybe angels or spirit guides. Do you feel like the voices that you heard, it sounds like the first one, to me, it was a demon. And then the second one was possibly a spirit guide or something. Would you agree with those? Oh, absolutely.
1: I I don't really believe in good and evil like what I've studied through Christianity. And it is in other cultures as well. But I do. But I, I just love simplicity. I try and keep everything as simple as possible. That's why I like to, to speak in terms of dark and light, and there there's degrees of dark and light, no question. And that that and the dark is fear. You know, you, you could call it fear if you like. Fear and love, same thing. Let's keep it simple. Love and light or darken fear. and I experienced a fear that I've never experienced before or after actually that, that was it which almost led them to my end. Mm-hmm. And you, you're right and you could call it evil, whatever. And if you want proof of it, just re- read newspapers. You know we often hear uh, in America especially, shootings, people going into high schools and start shooting people. Well, their minds are consumed by the dark, no question. It doesn't matter how you put it. And then the sad part about it, of course, is the media reports it as mentally ill you know, every single time. It's mental illness that gets the blame. But just imagine a world where the media started... Reporting it as a spiritual disorder, a spiritual darkness, you know, it puts a a different perspective on it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get people whose minds really are consumed by the light, like Mother Teresa just come to mind, for example. The amazing work that she did in, in one of the poorest countries in the world certainly at the time and plenty of other people who come to mind tichnat han who recently passed and didn't even make the news here in australia i don't know whether you heard heard about that in, in america and mm-hmm. tichnat Hand is a, was nominated for a nobel peace prize and he you know and he has made such a difference in this world and certainly he, he is a shining light, or was. He's gone, of course, but he wrote many books and built monasteries and, and worship places all around the world, really, including in USA, teaching that hand. And uh, he is a master of mindfulness, but like, like I consider I am as well. And Yeah, and teaching mindfulness, teaching how to... Be present, live in the now, and I started. I felt driven from 2009 when I moved from Wagga Wagga up to where I am now in Grafton, uh, to now 13 years, especially. That uh, yeah, that's that's when I started my mindful practice, because from the time of my spiritual awakening, I. In 1997, I got my life back. I was able to get off medications and, uh, you know, just with with my newfound uh, understanding of dark and light, really. And that was enough to get my life back. But it wasn't enough to stop unhelpful and negative thoughts. They were still showing up, giving me a hard time, and uh, just like... You know that's our human nature, actually, because past experiences show up for us, thinking it was it's keeping us safe because it doesn't want to happen what happened before, which is sort of well, it is human nature in a way. So, but it wasn't until two thousand nine when we decided to move north, and we're about to move further north. But I, I surfed the internet to find out what the latest things. In mental health were, because even through my dark years, I did courses and trained as a counsellor. I did youth counselling courses and whatever, and I searched the internet to find out what the latest things were. And I found a book by called The Happiness Trap, written by an Australian doctor, Dr. Russ Harris, and it's a book about ACT, which is stands for Acceptance and Commitment therapy act. So I bought the book and it was another life-changing time really. And acceptance and commitment therapy is world famous now these days. It's probably the, you know, a modern therapy, but it's a mindfulness-based therapy, like most modern therapies are. They have a mindfulness component we accept whatever shows up in our mind, dark or light, whatever, we accept it all, no matter how good or bad it is. And then we make a commitment to act on our values and make action plans as a way of training our minds, really. Anyhow, I fell in love with mindfulness and I went along and got Dr. Russ Harris to train me as an ACT therapist. And, uh, But I started my own mindful practice and I also started what was to become uh, probably close to 10,000 hours of study into all cultures, mindfulness in all cultures. And it is in all cultures all around the world. Sometimes it's not called mindfulness, but if you look, you'll find it. It's there even in Aboriginal culture here in Australia. There's different dialects around around Australia, but where I live on the East Coast, the, one of the biggest nations, Aboriginal sort of nations, is Bunzalung country. There's a word, Ghana, G-A-N, apostrophe N-A, Ghana, is how you say it. And it's been used for millennia by Aboriginal people uh, to, and it's a practice to overcome trauma like a, a death in the family, for example. So someone's traumatised, so they go to the spiritual guru of the tribe, and uh, every tribe had one, and that's the same as all cultures throughout the world. They all, always had a spiritual guru, if you like, and taught Ghana. And Ghana is a practice of going bush, going into nature, in other words, and practising deep listening which is listening beyond our thoughts. And when we do that, whatever is on our mind, we we get clarity on it because when we start listening beyond our thoughts and especially out in nature, an animal might run out of the bush or two birds might land on a branch near giving confirmation, whatever, because if, if our minds are quiet enough for us to listen, then you know, nature speaks, no question, but yeah, I've simplified that 10,000 hours of study in, in, into all sorts of things history and cultures, and you name it, and religions. And that's how I've simplified it, it's in my background be mindful, pause, connect. And that's a deceptively simple practice to attain inner peace be mindful is the instruction I, I teach people to use anytime they notice their minds being unhelpful or negative or if they feel anxiety coming on or or they're having a, an experience from the past which can physically manifest itself as well we use the instruction be mindful and it comes from our heart and two big things i, I I learned from my Bible study years, and that is Jesus' message of love your neighbour as yourself. And the other thing, God reads hearts, not minds, hearts. So, you know, put put something good on your heart, set your intention and get out there in the world and things will happen if you're living with awareness. It might be only little things, but they can lead to big things. Anyhow, getting back to the instruction from our heart, be mindful we tell ourselves. Be mindful. Anytime we notice our mind going far away or being unhelpful or negative and we allow that to trigger a pause. So it's like, be mindful and then pause. And in that pause, and it only takes a few seconds, in that pause and with practice you can sort of do it instantly. And after a time, by the time you make it a new habit, you don't need the instruction. You just automatically pause and connect, pause and connect throughout your day. And we start our day that way as well. It sort of sets it up. So we pause, and in that pause we connect. And we connect in three three different ways. We connect with where we are, and it doesn't matter where we are, and we use our five senses to do that, hearing, Sight, smell, taste, touch, if you're with a partner, especially. We connect with who we're with, with full presence. And you're excellent when I'm talking. You're fully present with me, Jeff. And when you're talking, I'm fully present with you. And we have a connection. And even though we're on opposite sides of the world, we feel that connection. It's real. And it's the same. It's the greatest gift we can give our loved ones. Our presence, not, you know, when you're talking to someone and they're thinking about something else, you know, how they say the lights are on, but no one's home. Well, be fully present, not thinking about what to say next, not having any agenda, just be present. It's a beautiful thing. And the third way we connect, of course, is with our source, whatever you believe that to be. And that's where the power is. That's where the creativity comes from, that our intuition, the, the next step. It, it's a very, you know, I say deceptively simple practice because it's so simple, people don't believe it can possibly work. But it works. It, but don't take my word for it and try it.
0: You, know? you mentioned hypnotherapy earlier. Have you yourself been hypnotized Back to the point of your experience to see if there's other things that happen that you don't remember.
1: Well, no, I do. I self. uh, I do self hypnosis, of course. But hypnotherapy is really guided meditation. They're just different names for the same thing. But you know, when when someone comes to me to stop smoking, for example then I, I take them on a guided meditation, which is hypnotherapy, and and take them to that 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 state where they're almost asleep, but they're conscious. And and that's what it's all about. And then I embed things in their mind, certainly which helps, but every person that comes to me, I teach them how to be mindful. So we'll just take a cigarette, you know, at each time. We'll say this is a cigarette each each time before they light that cigarette connect with it and when I say that be mindful pause connect so we just pause our mind and stretch it out to 10 seconds if you can just pause your mind while you're focusing on that cigarette and then see what drops into your mind and then after a time you 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 won't want to light like that cigarette because you'll start listening to yourself, your inner, your inner guide, if you like your inner self. And, and that's when we, when we make our minds up, when we listen to ourselves, because we don't listen to anyone else, do we Jeff? Right. But when we start listening to ourself, especially our, our inner self, our deeper self, then that's when we can create change in our life and, and start really living.
0: So you've written three. Well, I think you're. You've written two books, and you're on your third one. When writing your book, do you take yourself to that point where you quiet your mind and the information just comes to you easily, and you write it
1: exactly? Yeah, and it's just it can be the same with music. I don't have any great musical talents, but it's created out of nothing. Everything is yeah. My first book in two thousand fourteen, called Mindful Actions, and I put the Ripple Effect on the front because, will you know, I'm a fan of the Ripple Effect. And then, and I don't really sell that book much anymore because I started with that book, and and uh, and created a fifty-two week uh, course, if you like, and I started targeting people with. Who might have been diagnosed, schizophrenia, bipolar, hearing voices, psychosis, any of those things. And I called it Mindful Insights. It's a 50-week, two-week journey. But prior to the book, um, I I created a 52-week mentoring service, which costs $12 a fortnight Australian, which is probably $9 US a fortnight. People just subscribe and include phone calls with me or regular WhatsApp calls if they're overseas and uh, every Friday, they get a mindful insight. So it goes for 52 weeks because you can't fix things overnight. That's for sure. And I know for a fact, because I've been doing this for quite a few years now, at some point in the 52 weeks, in the 12 months, it could be after four months or six months or whatever, but I love it when people say to me, "Oh, John, I get it now," and the penny's dropped. They've developed their practice, they're connecting, and they get it. They, that's the point where they wake up, if you like. And it, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and my next book is going to be called Mindful Moments because uh, the newspaper newspaper here, I've been sending in mindful moments every week for a long time. So I'm going to develop that maybe into 365 mindful moments, just a little short, you know, 100 to 200 words, that's all. And, uh, yeah, so then that'll be like a bedside thing, just read a short mindful moment, you know, daily. Mm. So that's what it's all about, be
0: mindful, pause, connect. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, where can they reach you?
1: Well, if you Google that, Be Mindful, Pause, Connect, you'll find me because I've made it my thing for many years now. And uh, well they can via uh, well, Facebook type in Mindfulness Master or Spiritual Master. I have two pages, which is around about a million people follow that. Or, or they can go to um, mindfullymad.org. Contact me through there. Yeah. Or just search for John Shearer. You know, you, you'll you'll find me. There's not many John Shearers around. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think inspires you about your experience?
1: I think what, is, what inspires me is the truth. The fact that I did wake up and and can see the truth in all sorts of different things too mm. it's been quite quite amazing and what what inspires me is is uh, everything life um yeah i'm just in, inspired i think what what i live for is what i it's i call it a spiritual buzz and i get it when i'm talking to people uh even well one such experience just comes to mind about five years ago and I was at a bus stop and this guy, he was sitting there and he had his head down. He was obviously deep in thought. So I had a spiritual prompt and I always follow my prompts to introduce myself and I gave him my card and and just had a short chat with him and, and then promptly probably forgot about it and, until I got a phone call and fairly recently. And he said, oh, you probably don't remember me, he said, Uh, but we met at a bus stop about five years ago. I said, well, actually, I I think I do remember, you know, because something something came to mind. So I asked him where the bus stop was. Yeah, sure. So it was. And and he said he was just calling me to thank me because I saved his life that day. Mm. And... He, that's what he was deep in thought about. He was considering ending it. And then I had a, just a short chat with him, Be Mindful, Pause, Connect, and gave him that message, that practice, and my card. So he started following me, obviously, unawares to me. But I remember when I had that conversation, and, and I often I get this spiritual buzz, which some people call it a spiritual chill, because it's, it's like goosebumps all over your body. And we've all probably experienced it at some stage, that very, that it's a spiritual feeling. And I'm, I'm quite sure about that. And I get it when I'm sharing my story or te- teaching someone or whatever. And I get that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I live for. That's, that's what inspires me, that spiritual connection. That's very real. And it's better than any drugs. That's for sure. That spiritual feeling.
0: So, besides the books, do you coach people or help people personally, or or have classes or something? And that's called Be Mindful, Pause, Connect as well.
1: Well, I was. I do. I was having groups prior to COVID, because the last two years has been very difficult to do any sort of group group things. But every person that comes to me for coaching or for a session, hypnotherapy session, whatever. I always I always teach Be Mindful, Pause, Connect, of course. And I, I talk about what I've talked about here today, even in groups, even in uh, university, lecture theatre one time, and, and I absolutely loved it. And I do a little uh, guided meditation called the Silent Observer. And I take people through their five senses and introduce the silent observer, which is our sixth sense, if you like. It's our it's gut feeling we get, our intuition. And, and that's really what, what we're connecting with. And when we teach ourselves to step back, especially when we notice those unhelpful negative thoughts that we all have, teach ourselves to step back and be the silent observer of those thoughts rather than getting all tied up in them. Because at the end of the day, really, thoughts are just that, they're thoughts. There's no need to dwell on them, fight with them, um, try and avoid them with drugs and alcohol, for example, or overworking is a way to avoid our thoughts. There's no, no need to fight with them because the moment we do start doing any of those things, they can turn into real monsters and, and they do lead to suicide quite often. So it's, it's our thoughts that, that turn into our feelings and emotions. So when we start catching those thoughts in flight, if you like, start observing those thoughts from the silent observer perspective, start observing them and not doing anything with them unless they're good ones, of course, creative ones, then take action, but accept them all. Yeah. And that way they lose their power. And we don't want to start fighting them because that can make them more powerful. They can turn into real monsters.
0: John, thank you for sharing so much information with us today. Before we go, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: Follow the light. You know, that, that my message is always be mindful, pause, connect. Become one w- with the light. Because once we have that perspective that I gained nearly 20, 25 years ago now of being one, because we are all one wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if the world could grab hold of that, that we are all one, one with spirit, with God, with whatever you want to call it, and one with life. And we are. We're one with life, Uh, whether it's trees, birds, animals, whatever. It's all about oneness. And really, that's probably my religion today. And and the beauty of that is that it's not a religion at all. But it starts... Believing in oneness and connecting. And and of course, i always finish by saying, be mindful, pause, connect,
0: and keep doing it. John, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I wish you the best. Thanks, Jeff.
1: And uh, yeah, I'll be sure to share this podcast if you send me a link to it via your YouTube channel or whatever. I'll be happy
0: to share it, you. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the Join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.